Welcome to What To Do When, the podcast that you can turn to whenever you want to get unstuck. I'm Kathleen, I'm your host, and I'll be your trusted guide, your coach, and your friend through all of life's trickiest moments. Each episode, myself and guest experts will be tackling the real, raw, and relatable challenges that life tends to throw your way. Together, we're going to be navigating actually how to do the inner work, equipping you with the tools to empower yourself and to create the life that you've always envisioned. So if you've been feeling stuck with something in your life, submit your question via the link in the show notes and we could be diving into your question in the next episode. Let's dive in. Welcome everyone to the episode, probably one of the first guest episodes of the new What To Do When podcast. I'm incredibly excited today to bring on a super special guest, Kristen Meinzer, and she is going to be jumping on to answer the big question that so many of you have actually asked me, which is what to do when you want to start a podcast. Now, Kristen, welcome to the show. Do you want to tell us a bit about you and your history with podcasting and why you are going to just be amazing at answering this question. <laughs> You're so sweet. And thank you so much for having me on your show. I am so excited to talk with you today, especially because you are a Kiwi. My husband's a Kiwi. <laughs> Kiwis are the best people. I love you. Um, but I've been working in audio for, oh gosh, it's 15 years now. And when I first started in it, I, I didn't even see myself as a host. I just thought, I'm a producer. I'm a researcher. I, I love, uh, you know, uh, I, I love digging into my curiosity and finding out something about something. Who is the best person to tell this story? How does this thing work? Why does this happen over in this part of the world, but we have this happening in our part of the world instead? And I just saw it as a great way to be behind the scenes and researching things. And um but then early on in my audio career, I kind of got dragged into hosting a podcast. And at the time, I did not even know what a podcast was. But I was producing culture segments for a radio show here in New York. It was a nationally syndicated show. It was all over the U.S. And every other producer on the show was working on hard news. But I am, at my heart, a pop culture person. I dig into movies, TV, the British Royals, uh, books, all of the things that people might in the hard news world consider kind of, you know, lucky and lowbrow. But I love that stuff because that, in my opinion, tells us more about ourselves than, let's say, the opera or frequently what's happening with legislation isn't as clearly connected to who we are as the things we watch or the things we read. So I was producing all of these segments on pop culture and lifestyle topics and one of the on-air people I used to work with, I used to produce his segments, he confided in me that he wanted to start a movie podcast. And I said, great, I'll be your producer. So we went to the higher-ups and we proposed this idea. And the higher-ups said, okay, you can make a pilot. And we did. And it was not to their liking. And they said, the thing that's going to make this podcast good is, Kristen, if you get on mic with him and the two of you host the show together, which I was just in shock I, you know the idea of it and they said we hear you when you two are talking with each other this uh on-air talent his name was Rafer and they said you know Rafer and Kristen you two argue a lot and you laugh a lot and it would just make a better show than just having one critic talking or one critic interviewing people so we then got kind of thrown into hosting a podcast that continued for over six years called Movie Date where 
we reviewed three new movies each week. We interviewed celebrities. We had movie trivia. We had a couple of live events. We had weekly segments on the radio every week in addition to our podcast. So that went on for years and years and years. And then later on, my friend Jolenta asked me, would you want to kind of wear a different sort of critic's hat? Instead of reviewing movies, would you want to review books but do it in a, in a different way? And I wanted to know what she meant by that. I was a little skeptical because she told me it was going to be reviewing self-help books, which, full disclosure, I think a lot of self-help authors are not to be trusted, and I think a lot of their promises are garbage. And so, but but Jolenta liked me being involved in this because she said, I love self-help books and I want to believe their promises. I really think that I can change my life and having somebody like you on the show will make it fun because you don't feel the same way I do. So I said, okay, I'll do it with you. But rather than just review the books, we served as guinea pigs for the books. We broke down each book's rules and then we lived by the rules for two weeks straight at a time while recording ourselves. So you could hear how each book uh, enhanced or destroyed our lives. That show was called By the Book. And we did that for 10 seasons and almost 100 books. So first it was movie date, then it was By the Book. But uh, during the course of these two shows, I started getting asked to be a guest on lots of other shows. And I got asked to host a lot of other shows. And so I ended up hosting a movie podcast for CNN, which is a major network in the U.S., I ended up hosting shows for the New York Times. I ended up hosting shows for Slate. I have now at this point in my career, I think, hosted 15 different shows. Some of them are of my own invention. Some of them are, I'm just a host for hire on them. But I've now been able to host shows on such a wide range of things. Uh, Megan and Harry, we had a podcast called um, When Megan Met Harry which started when they were engaged and it ended with my co-host and I actually going to their wedding, for example. Um, I host a podcast right now called The Daily Fail, where we do comedic close readings of the world's most read English language tabloid. I, I, I will not tell you the name of that tabloid. I'll say it rhymes with Daily Fail. Uh, we don't want to, you know, sound like we're a... a uh, we don't want to get in trouble legally by saying the name of the publication, but I'll just say it rhymes with Daily Fail, and that's why our podcast is called The Daily Fail. And uh, I host a lot of other shows, too. But yeah, those are some of the highlights of my career. And then, you know, eventually, I started giving talks on how to podcast and getting invited to a lot of conferences to lead workshops on podcasting and so on. And eventually, I was talking to somebody, an agent of all people who wanted my advice on how to uh, podcast. She said, oh, my talent agency's thinking maybe we should have a podcast. And I talked her through everything. And then a few days later, I approached her and I said, you know that talk I gave you? Do you think that would make for a good book? And she said, yes, I do. So uh, within a few weeks, I had a book contract, and two months later, I wrote the book cover to cover called So You Want to Start a Podcast, and that book went on to sell a lot of copies, and the audio version of the book won, won the Audi Award for Best Audio Book in Business or Personal Development for that year it came out. The other big award winner that year was Michelle Obama, 
whose uh, memoir came out that year. So I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, right after Michelle Obama gets her award, I get mine. I can't believe it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was quite a year. And um, that was 2020, and then COVID shut down the world. But it was a very exciting event. It was one of the last big events I went to in, I think it was January 2020. And so that's my podcasting career and um, and the book I wrote on podcasting. Wow. You have gone through such an epic highlight of like, what I can tell, Kristen, is that you've been both the host and on the producing side. You've been in the audio world for a really long time, but you've you've like found your specialty, you know, you found what you're amazing at and what really strikes me with you. And I've listened to some of the episodes of your podcast with Jolenta. You're really authentic. And I love how you are actually sharing like, you know, sometimes you went into the things that the hard news world felt was more fluffy, but you felt it was more relatable that we learned more from it. And I wholeheartedly agree in so many ways. And I can tell that you've just really like dug deep into that. And it's led you into this amazing career where you've been able to not only run these amazing shows yourself, but actually help people to create more of the amazing things that we have called podcasts in the world, especially as we entered into 2020, what a perfect time to actually write your book and have it win this amazing award because I'm podcast creation went up so much in 2020 as COVID hit, you know, everything was online and podcasting was one of the things that you could still really do. Wow. So you really are the most perfect person to ask this question to, and I'm sure you're going to share so much with us. My first question is, is probably a little hard one, but I think it's something that can be really confusing in the podcasting world sometimes. But what do you think goes into measuring a successful podcast? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the main thing is to start off asking yourself two questions. And if you are delivering on those questions, you have a successful podcast, in my opinion. The questions are, why am I making this show? And who is it for? And when you answer the first question, let's say, um, I'll give you an example of one of my podcasts, Movie Therapy. So Movie Therapy was a show that I launched at the very beginning of the pandemic. And uh, people were writing to me as a film critic saying, you know, I miss your old show with Rafer, Movie Date, because we used to turn to you and say, you know, ask you, what should we watch? And you would give us great advice and tell us what to watch, but you also gave some comfort to us because Rafer and I had this segment where people would write in with their life issues and then we would prescribe movies or TV shows for them to watch. And so listeners at the beginning of the pandemic said, would you make another show where it's all just listener advice letters and you help them? And Rafer and I said, sure, if, if our old listeners want us to make this, we'll make it. So the why was to give our listeners comfort during a very scary time in the world where for a lot of them, their only company regularly was the TV or the only people that um, were not their relatives were being seen on TV. And a lot of people, that was their only comfort was the TV. So we thought we want to comfort people at this time when their screen may be the only thing they have that's keeping them sane right now. Um, and who is our show for? Our show is for all of those people who asked us to come back and make the show 
but it's also for anybody else out there who feels alone right now. It's for anybody else who feels scared right now. So we knew why we were making it. We knew who it was for. And because we delivered on the why and the who, we considered our show a success. And it also very happily ended up being quite successful. We had lots and lots of listeners who listened to it. But it really comes down to that. Why are you making your show and who is it for? And, you know, we all have different reasons of why we make a show and who it's for. Maybe you are somebody who is living with a chronic illness and you want to create a community around the show that informs other people who are newly diagnosed and who are scared. And you want to provide information and comfort to those people. Maybe that is the why and the who. And even if you only have 20 listeners, if you are delivering to the listeners that you said you wanted to reach, that's a success still. I think a lot of us get so caught up in the numbers like, well, Joe Rogan has like 80 million listeners and I don't. Well, who cares? We don't need more Joe Rogans in the world, frankly, for a lot of reasons. And you don't need to be Joe Rogan. All you need to do is be yourself. And that's another way I would say a show's success can be measured. Is the host being a version of themselves that is relatable, that is fun, that is believable, that is empathetic, that is energetic? Is the host bringing something to the table that doesn't just feel like the same thing as reading a dry article? Or, um, you know, I, I, I don't mean to make it sound like writing is bad and dry. I love reading. I read many, many books. But um, writing doesn't, especially when it's like a medical text or something about politics, it doesn't necessarily have personality, I guess is my way of putting it. Um, and when we are hosting shows, we're bringing a personality to the table. And I always say excited people are exciting people. So if you can bring that passion to the mic, I'd say that also makes you and your show a success. Mm, that is so true. And like, I feel like you really tapped into kind of what lies behind the power of podcasting is the authentic connection that you can have with people and how different a medium it is to writing, right? Like you have the ability to inject your whole personality into it and to help people feel a certain way. Like that's why, you know, every time I watch a movie, I love movies because they make you feel a certain way and you walk out of the theater, you know, at the end of a rom-com that just makes perfect sense, you walk out being like, oh, wow, you know, I feel amazing. The world is a magical place, you know, <laughs> we get to lean into that with podcasting, you know, but it's, it's that relatability that I hear is so key. Now, Kristen, I know, and I was one of these people who sat on the idea of, I want to start a podcast for like two years. And I felt all of this, oh my God, you know, who's going to listen? Why would anyone want to hear what I have to say? Can I even do it? It seems so complex and complicated. And I know for a fact, because listeners have been asking me this exact question, I know for a fact that there are many of you out there at home listening who are in that space as well. And you're kind of like, I, I would really love to start a podcast. I think it could be really fun. But, you know, we face that comparison. We face that self-doubt. And we also compare ourselves to damn Joe Rogan and expect <laughs> a successful podcast has to be one with 80 million downloads and you have to sign a contract where you earn so much money. But I think at the end of the day, that's not really what it's about. My question to you is, when people are in that space where they feel stuck and they really want to, but they don't know how, they don't know where to start, what is the pep talk that you would give them? 
I would say that your voice is a gift. And those of us out here, if we get to hear it, we're very lucky. And remember that you have something unique to share and people want to hear it as long as you're making it for them. Again, knowing why you're making it, knowing who it's for, not just using the microphone as a personal audio diary that has no structure, that's just you droning on and on. But if you're actually making a show that's for listeners with them in mind, then you really are giving them a gift. That's something special that you're sharing with them. And you don't have to compare yourself to others. The fact is, this is going to be a sad fact for a lot of folks, but it's true. The vast majority of podcasts make zero dollars. So don't compare yourself to the people who have million-dollar contracts or six-figure contracts. The fact is, most shows don't make money. And the fact is that most shows, this is not said enough, but the average indie show receives fewer than 300 downloads per month. So don't worry about Joe Rogan's 80 million listeners. You know, you can be making a hugely successful show with 100 listeners, with a dozen listeners. It doesn't really matter what somebody else is doing. Focus on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Keep in mind what is keeping me going, what makes me want to make this week after week, because if it's something that you're really passionate about, you will want to go back week after week and do it. But I'll also say this. You don't have to do it. If you try it and after a few attempts, you realize this is too much work or it's not really that enjoyable for me because making a podcast is a lot of work, by the way. I don't think everybody knows how much work this is. <laughs> like Kathleen, I know that just planning and scheduling everything today on top of the editing, on top of the technical stuff, on top of all the research that you've done, you're going to be spending for this episode, which is less than an hour long, many, many more hours that the listeners don't even know about. So I would say if you try it out and it doesn't feel like it's the right thing for you, it's okay to stop doing it. I think that our culture really pushes the idea of never give up. Quitters are for, you know, quitters are losers and so on. And I'm saying, no, life is about trying new things. And the more things we try, the more things we're going to quit. And that's okay. You know who never quits anything? People who never try anything. <laughs> Don't be somebody who never tries. Try different things. You might end up really enjoying it. And I, I really believe as long as it's something that you're very deeply interested in. So that's another thing. Don't try to make a high-minded podcast about a topic you don't really care about that you think is important to talk about but you don't actually enjoy. Don't do that. That's like writing your master's thesis or your senior thesis in university. Don't make it drudgery. Make it something you genuinely love talking about, something you obsess about already, something you always discuss with your friends. So, you know, if that's something that you're excited about and you're making the show, then uh, you are succeeding. That's great. But again, if you give up, that's fine. That, that's not a problem to decide you don't want to do something after a while. That is so beautiful to hear you talk about that mindset because we place so much damn pressure on ourselves to be perfect. And we kind of face this thing where we don't want to be that kind of non-committal flaky person, but often that stops you from trying in the first place right like you have to go through and try and experience something to see if you actually enjoy the process and you're so right there is so much that goes into creating a podcast episode then you might know I will also say though something that put me off entirely was the technical side and I thought oh my god like how do you 
how do you do this? Can you even do this? Can you do it on a budget? Do you need a bunch of fancy equipment? And the answer for me has definitely been no. I recorded my first episode in under a blanket in when I was on holiday in Greece because I had this you know, awakening moment was like, oh my God, I've got to start this podcast under a blanket <laughs> in Greece in the basement with my iPhone headphones, you know, and yes, my audio quality has improved over time, but I still had such amazing feedback on that first episode. And it was really fun to tell people where I was, what I was doing, and that this is the start of my podcasting journey. This is what it looks like, you know, and it was so cool to have that. And the technical side was so much easier than I ever imagined. Like when I found software, shout out to Podcastle, that is my favorite software to use. Um, When I found that, it was so simple. Literally the touch of a button and it it edits the audio to make it sound really refined and refreshed. And I am so grateful that I found things like that to make that journey easier. But I, again, really want to acknowledge the fact that you get to try. You get to try and it doesn't mean anything about you if you give it a go and go, oh, this is actually not for me, you know. Think about all the other things that you would encourage your friends to try because they want to do something. You know, I think some of the best advice we can give to ourselves in that moment of self-doubt is what would you say to a friend who's going through this experience, right? You would tell them. Absolutely go on, get it done, like give it a go, you know, just try. And I I love that. What goes into creating and finding a topic that you're really passionate about? What advice would you give? I'd say just look at the things you're already obsessed with. You know, if you are somebody who goes onto Reddit, what is the subreddit that you visit the most often? Uh, What are the things that you and your friends gossip about the most or dish about? What are the shows that you watch over and over again or the video games you play? What kinds of foods do you eat regularly? Just look at what your current obsessions already are or even look back over your lifetime and think, God, it does not matter how old I am. I always love this one thing and go back to it again and again and again. It could be any number of things. It can be as specific or as, you know, quirky as you want it to be. And you know, for example, one of the top podcasts in the U.S. this year was called Wilder, and it was a journalist who is not even American. She's from Canada, but she was obsessed her whole life with Laura Ingalls Wilder. So she made a whole podcast, and she went to all of the original Laura Ingalls Wilder houses. She interviewed historians, and she learned a lot about pioneer mythology in the U.S. and how much of that was created by Laura Ingalls Wilder, and she talked with actors who were on the TV show. She talked with, uh, you know, people who specialize in Native American rights in the U.S. and their erasure from U.S. history. And there was so much in that podcast. And I'm sure some people would say, like, oh, God, a podcast about just one author, just one author, Laura Ingalls Wilder. But her obsession with that one author was enough to carry many, many, many episodes. And it was a fantastic show. So it can really just be as precise as a show about one actor or a show about one author. It really can be like that if you want it to be. Or it can be broader. It can be, you know, um, about, you know, I, I there's another show that came out last year that I am blanking out on the name of it. I am so sorry. But Every episode, they bring on a different guest, and I was a guest on this show, so I feel very bad about this, but can't remember the name. But each guest comes on and just names one year and the five movies they liked best that year. And 
So it's a way to frame a movie fanatic show in a way that seems more specific because the hosts of that show, they just love movies so much. What was the best way for them to make their show stand out and have more of a framing device to have more structure? Each guest would only talk about one year. And so that's something else to keep in mind also. What are you obsessed with, but how can you make it more specific? Because the more specific something is, the more people will be drawn into it, the more they'll feel like there is, you know, a place and a space for them within the show listening to it. It doesn't just feel like mush, like, you know, being thrown into a ball pit that has no borders, which some podcasts feel like that. Like I'm being thrown into a ball pit. I don't know what to grab onto. All these balls are 8 million different colors. I can't even see the edge of this ball pit. But as soon as you say, oh, my show is about movies based on the year that each of our guests likes the best, it doesn't feel like a ball pit anymore. It feels like I'm in an apartment and here's the living room, here's the bedroom, here's the kitchen. I know where everything is and I know why I'm here. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. And I really relate to it in my journey of podcasting myself. I'm going through this rebrand right now where in the beginning, my podcast was called The Boundless Self. It was all about how do you become the most boundless version of who you are. But for me in the beginning, I feel like I was the one in the ball pit. You know, I went super wide with all these different sorts of topics and I felt like I kind of lacked both structure and specificity. And I, I felt confused. I was like, why, you know, why are people coming to listen? Why would I want to listen to something like this? I don't really know what I'm here to deliver. And part of the journey in the season two of that and now the rebrand has been getting so much more specific in exactly what I do, exactly the structure that we follow and the format. And I guess brings me to that next question, which I feel like you're really going to have an interesting answer on, which is structure. How important is structure to a podcast and what are some of the structures that you've seen or some different examples maybe you could share? Oh, I love structure. I am such a huge fan. I am somebody who works very well with structure. When I don't have structure, I once again feel like I'm in that ball pit. But um, structure gives me something to do and to fill in. It feels more like Mad Libs, if that makes sense. Do you have Mad Libs over there? I don't know if you have Mad Libs over there. You do. Okay. So, you know, it makes me feel like I have a way to fill in the blanks however I want to each episode within the structure I've created for each show. And sometimes the structure is super simple. So for example, my show, The Daily Fail, which you know does the comedic close readings of that certain tabloid, my co-host and I set up that show to have a three-act structure. And each act has one story that uh, she picks out two stories and I pick out one story in an episode or the other way around. I pick out st- two stories and, you know, but we always have three stories and each act is just this is the headline, is what it's about, and this is why this is trash. And we do that for each of the stories that we cover. And when we bring a guest on, it's super easy for a guest to also understand what they have to bring to the table because they know how simple the structure is. This is the headline. This is the summary of the story. These are the problems. Let's point out the misogyny. Let's point out the anti-fat phobia. Let's talk about the racism. Let's talk about the whatever it is. Let's talk about why they hate Meghan Markle because they always do. And we break it down just as simple as that, those three acts. And then my show I made with Jolenta um, by the book, 
that show structure was we introduce the book with the biography of the author, the summary of the book, and then we break down the book into 10 rules or less. And then once we give that summary, we give each of us our first week of living by the book, all of our audio diaries. It's like a reality show. Like, this is what happened when I did step one, then I did step two, and so on. And then uh, we have a break. Then the second act of the show is our second weeks of living by the book. How did things go when we continued to follow the rules? And the final act of the show, we left things on a cliffhanger. Would we recommend the book or not? And so that way, people have a reason to stick around at the end. It's always nice when there's like a little cliffhanger, like, okay, well, we followed their ups and downs. This was a real journey. And oftentimes we would surprise the listeners, despite my rage at a lot of these books. I would frequently recommend them. And Jolenta, who wanted to believe all their promises, frequently wouldn't. And so it was you know, a, a real journey for listeners to experience that. And people listening didn't necessarily hear the structure right away. But once they did, it really almost became a comfort for them. They knew what was going to come up next. They knew after this break, this happens next and so on. And to always have the rules of each book broken down at the top of each show. Some listeners said they only listened for that and then stuck around for the rest because most self-help books are so badly written and so mushy that there aren't actually any structure or rules to the books. So we tried to create the structure ourselves. <laughs> you did the work for them. Yeah. We did the work for the authors. I think a lot of authors out there have us to thank for people being able to understand what the point of your book is. But, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of structures out there. Um, and it really depends on what you're covering also. You know, there are audio game shows. There are interactive podcasts. One of the podcasts that I was on the production team for um, uh, behind the scenes was called The Walk. And that show was essentially a game that you would play. And it was designed to make it, the, the game is essentially you're being talked to and you are a spy. Something's been handed off to you. And you have to keep walking and walking and walking. And different voices you hear, other spies, uh, people who are, you know, participating in espionage, people you can trust or not trust, they just talk to you through the whole podcast. And the game was co-sponsored by the National Health of um, the UK, and they wanted to have a way to excite people to be more active. So it was both a podcast and a game, but also secretly a way to get people to be more active. There are a lot of different ways that a podcast can be structured. And I, I encourage everybody out there to be willing to take a risk if you want to. If you want to model a podcast after a video game, go for it. If you want to do what Jolenta and I did and model it after reality shows, do that. But you can also just keep it simple and have it broken down into that three-act structure I have with the Daily Fail, where it's like, here's one, two, three stories, goodbye, thanks for listening. It can be as simple as that too. It doesn't have to be reinventing the wheel either. Mm, that is so true. And I love those different examples that you've laid out as well, because I think it can be quite overwhelming to go, oh, like what structure am I going to follow? How is it going to work? And again, I think that try, that word try kind of comes into it, right? Like you've done so many podcasts and you've got to try so many different structures and you've also found that like structures really work for you and you've seen it work for your listeners. I can hear that 
the structure almost has kept listeners more engaged because they know what to expect. And that is a hot tip about the cliffhanger to everyone. I really like that. Maybe I'm going to have to develop a sort of cliffhanger to the end of every episode. Maybe I'll have to tell like a story or something. Who knows? Anyway, that's an idea for another day. Um, but I really like talking about structure because I personally have shied away from structure. It's, structure scares the crap out of me, if, if I'm honest, you know. I get worried that I well, won't. you have structure too. And you, I do, yeah. Exactly. You do. Even, yeah. even though it may not be obvious to the listeners, you have your introduction. You have your series of questions you ask. You have your conclusion and your wrap-up of the show. There are ways you have structure that might just be so obvious. That's so true. That is so true. Yeah. And I think structure takes different forms in different ways, you know, but they're like, for me, it's been really important to find ways where I can kind of really like listen and dig in and go down the tangents and the rabbit holes that kind of come up because it's so fun because you never know what, what someone's going to say, especially when I have guests on, you never know what they're going to bring to the table, what they're going to be passionate about, you know, and what topics are really going to light them up that you can see. Um, So while we were like while you've been talking, Chris, and I've definitely been making notes because I feel like we're actually developing a bit of a checklist to the things you might need to start podcast, right? And I think it's really nice to have a checklist, isn't it? When you go into creating, yeah. if you're at home, yeah, if you're at home, you're this big vision, and this big dream of, I really want to start a podcast, but you know, I'm scared, I'm worried, I'm anxious. Let's give you a checklist to really set yourself up. So what I heard, and let's go through it. First and most important thing, I think, was passion about the topic. It's a really great one. Yeah. Yes. And I want to reiterate the ask yourself, are you doing it and who it's for? Yeah. Which back to my eight time was that why? Why asking Yeah. So we have passion about your topic. We have the why. And then I wanted to add in, because I really like this word, which was specificity. And I think, again, sometimes we can be scared to get specific. But one of my favorite podcast podcast shows is a show literally dedicated to The Office. You know, the TV show. Oh, like, yes. I love this. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's the best, you know. And I think you gave such great examples of how specificity actually can be really powerful in a podcasting platform. And I, I really like that because I haven't heard many people speak about it too much, you know, because sometimes we get this idea that we want to have something that appeals to everyone, but really it's actually you want the right audience who's passionate about what you're passionate about to find you. And the only way they're going to find you is if you are specific as hell in what you're talking about, right? Yeah, because if your show is for everybody, it's really for nobody, frankly. Mm. Uh, I, I've done so much podcasting consulting over the years, and almost everybody I talk with says, when I ask them, who is your show for, they say it's for everybody. And I say, no, then nobody's going to listen. You need to know who it's for, for a lot of reasons, partly because you have to keep that person in mind when you're making your show. And I encourage people to you know, do a little exercise, like, what does your listener do each day? What time do they wake up? What do they eat for breakfast? What do they watch on TV? What are the things they're most insecure about? What are the things they're most excited about? And I have these different characters I make my shows for. And for each show, it's kind of different. Who am I thinking of when I'm making this show? So be specific as far as who you're listening. And also know that when you are that specific, you can reach them better. You know what communities to go to when you want to promote your show. When you want to appear on other podcasts to promote your show, you know what other podcasts to appear on. If your show's for everybody, are you going to appear on all 3 million podcasts that exist right now? No, you're not going to do that. You want to know what are the other podcasts my listeners listen to. 
You want to know what are the questions they ask the most often about life or about culture or whatever it is. And then, you know, find those listeners. And maybe it's that they're just fans of this one TV show, like The Office, or maybe it's something that's even quirkier than that. So be specific. Yeah. Mm, specificity so important. And then that brings us to kind of the next piece of the puzzle, which was structure. I think that is a really important one to lay out because it will, if you're brand new to this, sometimes structure can be really helpful for you, right? And I love what you said about, you know, not being afraid to try different structures and to try different things, but give structures a try and see how they can help you grow your podcast. Now, final piece to the puzzle that I think we need to talk about is what you just mentioned, which is promotion and finding your listeners. Talk us through that. What have you learned and what juicy goodness can you give to anyone at home who's like, how do I make sure I don't just have my mom and my three cats listening to me? Well, when you're doing that exercise, I said, you know, imagine who your listeners are. Imagine a sample listener. Think about, you know, what that listener's day is like. Think about what websites they visit. What fan pages are they a part of? Are there Facebook communities they visit every day? Find all of the places that imaginary listener of yours is and figure out, is there a way for me to promote to that community? And think also of what the other podcasts are that they listen to and then be a guest on those shows and then promote your show there. I was just looking at my, I, I, I keep a long list of, you know, what shows I appear on every year. And I was just counting the list and I appeared on over 60 shows this year as a guest and I think that's the thing we should all be aiming for. Um, I, I always say for every hour you spend making your show, you should be spending one hour promoting your show. And I know that's an enormous lift and most people aren't going to do it. Even I don't meet that goal. We don't. But I do make sure that I appear on an average of one show a week, whether it's a TV show or a podcast. I make sure that I rub elbows with other podcasters. I go to conferences or podcast meetups and so on. I do that. And I give interviews to newspapers and other outlets where I, you know, drop the name of my show into the interview. Let's lightly drop that name. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, over the years, I know people who have used a lot of uh, SEO hacks to try and uh, increase their discoverability as well, whether they're using Pinterest or just having very extensive show notes that show up in a lot of different places. Doing the best you can to increase your visibility that way also helps. But more than anything, show up in the places your listeners already are. And one way you can figure that out is really just like, what are, you know, for my podcast, I'm able to look up, um, and most of us are able to do this, uh, using a number of different services, websites, or even uh, podcast players like Apple Podcasts, you can see what are the other shows my listeners are listening to. Well, pitch yourself to all of those shows, plus pitch yourself to all of the shows that their listeners listen to also. Does that make sense? Ooh, yes, stands yeah. <laughs> You're like, not just one layer, two layers deep. Yeah, all minimum two layers deep. Yeah, I... Don't appear on all these dozens and dozens and dozens of shows every year just because I'm going one layer deep. I'm going a couple layers deep. I'm doing all I can to put myself out there. And at first it might feel awkward and I get it, you know, self-promotion can be hard. But I like to think of it thusly. I, I'm bringing something 
to their listenership too. Hopefully I have something that will help their listeners to feel a little bit better about a certain topic or inform them. Uh, I, I like to think of myself not just trying to sell to people, but hopefully, you know, in some sort of tiny way, making their lives better. And also, I believe that I, I love to talk and I love to hear what other people have to say. So by pitching myself to another show, I'd like to think we can have a really fun conversation together. You know, aside from the listeners, me and the host, we're going to have a good time together, right? Yeah, that's so true. And I think that's what is so cool about podcasting is the the things in the episodes that are the most fun for a listener, in my experience, being a listener, is when people are having fun on that podcast. Or even if they're getting into debates about something or if they're oh, yeah. pushing some deep stories. <laughs> or I love talking about, you know, my most embarrassing moment because I think just getting into the cringe and the reality of life yeah. and how we are all just like these gawky, awkward human beings that are just going through life <laughs> trying our best. Is so fun and you're so right. Like, I love that you're talking about self-promotion because it is a really hard and scary thing, right? Like even you saying not just one layer deep, you know, so not just the shows that, you know, your listeners are listening to, but then going to that next layer, that is amazing to hear. And I think I've learned a lot from this. I think I need to be promoting myself way more. And I love that you're like, I've been on 60 podcasts this year. That's incredible, you know, and you're so right. You, you get to, and being a guest on a podcast also so much less work and so much more fun because you just get to come and talk and have fun and, you know, be in that experience. And then you get to just fly away and go and live your life, you know? Um, so it's a really good idea to do that. Um, Kristen, I really want to end on something. Like I want to first ask, how old were you when you started your first podcast? Oh my gosh. It was 15 years ago. 15 years ago. So, beautiful. Yeah. So 15 years ago and Oh my God, the, back then, podcasting, there was no serial yet, you know? Um, the When I started my first podcast, a lot of people, including me, like I said, didn't really listen to podcasts or didn't know what podcasts were. It was a totally different era. And back when I was in university, there was no such thing as a podcasting course you could take. And then you said, I want to grow up and be a podcaster. The job didn't even exist yet. And so, I mean... Things change a lot, and I'll be curious to see what happens with podcasting next. Will it eventually, you know, retract and, you know, there maybe there won't be three million podcasts anymore? Will it become something much smaller? I'm so curious to see what happens next. Yeah, me too. So my question to you then is, for 15 years ago, you, what is the number one piece of advice or the message? What would you say to that younger version of yourself as they were going into their podcasting career? What do they need to hear and how can listeners hear this themselves at home? Oh, well, I would say it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to change. And in fact, it's good to change. One thing I try to do in all my shows is find a way for there to be a listener component where listeners can hear their own comments on the show, even if I'm just reading their reviews that they've written in. Um, if they're writing in for advice, I try to address that. Uh, I am so sorry. Can you hear all the sirens in my New York apartment right now? <laughs> no, it's fine. I literally can't hear anything. Oh, good. I'm so glad you can't. I apologies to your audience if, if they're hearing all these sirens outside. It's New York. So, um, but 
you know, listen to what your listeners have to say. And if they're not liking something that you're doing or they want more of something, don't take it as an insult. Be willing to be flexible, to evolve. It's okay to uh, maybe not make the best version of your show in the beginning. I will never go back and listen to those first few episodes of Movie Date, for example, from 15 years ago. I don't want to hear how terrible I was. I'm sure it just sucked. I don't, I'm just mortified thinking about how terrible those first few episodes were, but it's okay. Go out there and make some mistakes. And when your listeners suggest this or that, take what they have to say seriously. Think about what you can do differently. And also be willing to listen to your own, you know, misgivings. If, if you feel like it's time to change this show into something else because I'm tired of this, that's okay too. So an example, Jolenta and I, we did 10 seasons of Buy the Book, and we love that show dearly, and our listeners love it dearly. But after 10 seasons, a lot of self-help books, they start to repeat themselves. And we felt like our show started to sound less fresh every episode, the more books we lived by, because self-help authors really only have six ideas they keep recycling over and over and over again, right? And by the end of 10 seasons, we were like, we don't want our listeners to be getting the same storyline every week over and over and over again. Let's think of other ways that we can serve our listeners. And we listen to our listeners. Our listeners send us advice questions every week. We've received thousands of questions uh, from listeners asking for advice. And we thought our listeners want us to provide advice based on all of the knowledge that we've accrued from living by all of these terrible books. Let's make sure that the next version of our show includes advice questions for them. And let's make sure the topics in the wellness space we're discussing go beyond self-help books and include other things that are being discussed on TikTok or on Instagram or celebrity influencers. What are they trying to sell us right now? So we listened to our listeners. And earlier this year, we revamped by the book into How to Be Fine, where we can do all of those things that our listeners asked for. So we were both a, listening to our own guts where we were saying, we don't feel like we're making the best show anymore for our listeners. We're not, you know, being as fresh as we could. And two, or B, the second thing is our listeners also had all these other things they wanted from us. So we wanted to provide that as well. So be willing to change. It doesn't mean that 10 seasons of buy the book was a mistake. It just means it's okay to change things up. You can change things up after one episode or 100 episodes. You can do it. It's totally fine to do that as long as you're listening to your gut and you're listening to your audience. Oh, what a beautiful note to end on, which was don't be afraid of change, both internal change within you, like your intuition speaking to you, and that external change. What do people want to hear? What do people want to see? And don't be afraid to make mistakes. I have made so many mistakes on this podcast and it's been freaking <laughs> awesome. You know, it's given me so much experience and so much relatability to talk about and to just show up and be my most human self as I am, you know, with my amazing, very thick Kiwi accent included, um, I think is, is super special, you know. Thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing all of this super valuable and very like grounded and like kind of actionable and personable steps towards how can I create a podcast. I really, really want to thank you for that. You are such an experienced and relatable and kind and funny person. And I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. Is there anything that you want to say before we end the show? 
I just want to tell everybody out there again, your voice is a gift, your story is a gift. Whatever version you decide to share that voice and story in, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, you know, writing blog entries, whether it's just talking to people in your community, people are lucky if they get to talk to you. And uh, don't be afraid to share that in whatever form you want to share it. And thank you so much again for having me on the show. This has just been so special. And you are so kind and so wise and such a generous interviewer. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Kristen. So you heard it at home, guys. You are the gift. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you got value and if you love the podcast, I'd really, really love if you could rate, review and comment on the podcast below. And now for the fun part. I want to hear your biggest what to do when questions. Submit your question via the link in the show notes and we could be answering your question on the next episode of this podcast. I want this podcast and the coaching and the support that goes along with it to be in the back pocket of anyone and everyone who's on their own journey of self-discovery, of growth and of healing. It can be a lonely journey and I know that support and friendship goes a long way. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode to your social media pages or send it to your group chat or a friend or family member in mind. And as always, I'm here to support you in so many ways, this podcast being just one of them. If you're looking for additional support in creating the life that you've always envisioned, working through your issues that you've likely been avoiding for years, this is exactly what I do. My one-to-one -one coaching program focuses on building belief in yourself. Application and information about my online workshops and one-to-one -one coaching are all in the show notes. And I'll be here when you're ready to dive into the work. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. I want you to remember that you're doing enough, you're being enough, and that you deserve good things in this life. I'll see you next Monday morning for the next episode of the What To Do When podcast.